What is up, everybody? This is Dave Schmidt, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Super pumped that you are here on this podcast. We talk about game changers. We talk to life changers. We talk about things that really matter. So sit back, listen up, and enjoy Lasting Learning. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Lasting Learning Podcast. As always, I'm so glad you're here. In just a few minutes, you're going to be glad too. Because today, we have one of the most incredible people on the planet joining us. We have a person I, I have admired from afar for a long time. She is just, she's a, she's a jack of all trades, really. She does absolutely everything. And she even has a doctorate in international education what who is that smart to have a doctorate where they are they have a doctorate in educating the entire world i mean that's that's legit so today we've got sarah thomas here joining us who's just gonna drop some truth on us and let us know who she is sarah thank you so much for being here oh thank you so much for having me i'm super excited to be here absolutely so sarah we know you educate the world but there still might be a couple people that don't know who you are or what you're about. You mind just introducing yourself? Sure, absolutely. So, hey, everybody. Hey, listeners. Um, my name is Sarah Thomas, and I am um, I wear a couple different hats. So, by day, I'm a regional tech coordinator in a large district in Maryland. Um, I also work as an affiliate faculty, which is um, a fancy way to say adjunct professor at a local university. And I'm also the founder and uh, CEO of the EduMatch Network. So uh, so those are kind of the three things I have my, my hands in right now. What was that adjunct professor title? Oh, affiliate faculty. <laughs> I am totally stealing that. That looks so much better on a resume. Affiliate <laughs> right? faculty. See? Truth right there. Those of you that are adjuncts, change that up. Affiliate faculty. That's sweet. <laughs> switch it up. Switch it up. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said by day you got this job where you, you're basically running around a district and helping support teachers in classrooms with technology and, and innovation. But then you've got all this side hustle stuff that you do as well, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how in the world, first of all, how do you find time to do all of this? How do you find that balance? And what it, where is your passion? Okay, so the, the balance thing, that's smoke and mirrors because... <laughs> There is no balance. It's always like the, uh, you know, chase, I, I feel like I'm chasing my tail, but I love every minute of it. So, um, you're my, my passion is all of it. You know, I feel like, you know, um, if you, if you kind of think of everything we do in life as like different circles, you know, and kind of put them together as a Venn diagram, then, then my whole goal is to live in the middle as much as possible. And I feel like that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. So, so just, just loving it. You are super busy. I mean, if people, log into any social media platform, you are there. But you're always there with this big, beautiful smile as well. Like you are just, you're just loving life. You're loving everything that you do. Have you ever taken a, a bite out of something and said, ooh, man, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not digging this and pulled yourself back or pretty much whatever you do, you love? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you want to do all of the things. And that's like one of the things that I'm learning right now at my ripe old age. So you can't do all of the things. Um, so, you know, now I feel like I'm, I'm scaling back a little bit. And I mean, it's not for like not having love for it, so to speak. It's more so as a way to be more effective at the things that I do kind of, you know, go all in on. So I really want to be able to go all in, you know, so yeah. still, still, still working on finding that, uh, 
balance, whatever they, that may be. But uh, I'm, I'm just loving everything that I get to do when I get to do it. So yeah. and when you first jumped into education, did you see yourself doing what you're doing now? Oh, no, no, not at all. Like, I, I almost didn't make it like past my first three years. Um, but but I did. So, you know, that and I think that the early struggles, the early challenges kind of helped me be better uh, down the line. It kind of gave me more of a sense of empathy um, for what other educators might be going through. So um, and I feel like kind of feeling alone and struggling like mm -hmm. the first three years um, really drove me to connect later on in my career when I found out about social media. And I mean, by that time, I'd already kind of gotten my feet up under me. So I had already, you know, kind of found my own. But when I discovered that all of this was out there, I was just like, oh, you know, like that's kind of what I what I've been missing all this time. So I jumped, you know, I, I, I kind of went in on all of that. So, yeah. so do you do this for your own benefit? Like your collaborations and your networking and just reaching out to everybody. are you doing it so you can grow yourself? It's um it's a little of both. You know, I feel like I feel like I do it because that's what I would have wanted to have. But mm -hmm. I also do feel like um I am getting some benefit out of it. So like one of the things that um that kind of resonated with me, you know, as I've been reading, listening to podcasts, things like that. Um, I've been inspired by people who have seen a need um, in their own lives and they found that solution and then they've scaled it to help others who might be feeling the same way. Yeah. Because when you think about, you know, the design process and how empathy is like, you know, the first stage, then what's better to empathize than to actually be facing that problem or have faced it yourself, you know? So definitely finding, finding that need. And then once you find it, then just spread it to as many people as possible. That's awesome. You know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was listening to a podcast and you were, you were a guest on the podcast. I, I wish I could tell who it was so I could give them credit, but I don't remember. But you were talking about EduMatch and it was in kind of its early stages of really blowing up. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is, she's, she's out there trying to play like farmers only for educators. She's just trying to make these connections for people that they don't even know they need, you know? And, and it's taken on a life of its own. So <laughs> what was your original dream behind EduMatch? And for those people that don't know what EduMatch is, maybe you should tell them what that is too. I mean, you're not out there trying to hook people up, but um, <laughs> so talk about EduMatch a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So EduMatch, um, it's, it's definitely not a dating site for educators. <laughs> That's like our tagline, like we're not a dating site. But um, really what we do is that we find people um, with similar interests and kind of give them a place to connect and to collaborate and to grow. and. Uh, you know, it's, it's really evolved a lot over the years. Like when I, when I first started it, then I was, it, I was kind of fooling around, you know, I was just like, huh, you know, like this, I, I was having fun with it. I made like a really ugly, cheesy logo. And, you know, I put that like as our Twitter picture and I was just going everywhere like, Hey y'all, I created this thing, but it's totally not like a, you know, it's not match.com. It's, it's, <laughs> you match, you know, and just playing that whole aspect up. And I had no idea that it was going to actually turn into something. Like I thought that it would, you know, I, I, I was just like, might as well see what happens. So at that point, um, so the idea actually came from a conversation um, I was having with a friend of mine, um, Rafrans Davis in Texas. And at the time she was a, a coach for um, math. And so she was talking about um, fantasy sports, using fantasy sports in her class, or not her class, I'm sorry, but um, some, the idea of using fantasy sports in a math classroom. And I said, hey, my cousin used to teach in New York and he just gave me a book about that. And the two of you need to meet 
So um, at that point, I was just like, there should be something that, you know, kind of introduces people. So, mm. and, and I thought about another one of my friends who was into gamification. I was just like, okay, so if there was something that would like bring these three people together to have this conversation. So I looked, didn't see anything. So I just, you know, went on Twitter, created an account and tweeted about what, um, what I had in mind. And right away, somebody from Australia responded and said, yes, I'm down uh, to try this out. So I asked him about himself. He told me. So I matched it up with different hashtags and tweeted it out throughout 24 hours. And at the end of the day, I asked him, how did it go? And he's just like, oh yeah, I met all these people. Keep it going. So I was just like, all right, cool. So at that point, I set up a website and a Google form. And by the end of the weekend, there were 10 people signed up. And I mean, the story is, as people joined, they kept on bringing their ideas like, hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? And that's how we've grown. So that's uh, five years later, that's, that's where we are. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Why, why, why do you think it has grown so much? Is it because people are just so thirsty for connection? I think that that is part of it. And I also think that um, just kind of trying things out and seeing what sticks, like, I, I think it's so important to, to be flexible and be adaptive and just kind of grow and change with the needs and, um, you know, being, being able to like kind of bend um, as time goes on to, to, to meet the needs uh, that are out there. So um, I think that that's, that's kind of what, what helps us um, continue to scale and continue to grow. So uh, right now at year five, it's like a year of reflection. You know, we're about to hit 2020. So the second decade in the 2000s. So right now I'm looking at like everything we have going on. I'm just like, okay, so what's still making an impact what can we trim so that we can focus on these things that are bringing, you know, more return on our time invested, you know, and uh, kind of double down on those things. So it, it's all a process and uh, just, you know, I'm loving, you know, watching the growth of it. It's, and it is pretty sweet. You, one, one of the reasons I, I really look up to you is because you seem like a person that's just willing to go all in. You just, you just take a chance to say, you know what, let, let's try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I mean, you're everywhere, truly everywhere doing it all. You know, it's, it's like McDonald's. They are already the biggest franchise around, but yet they've got billboards. They've got TV commercials. They've got everything. And you, you've got Facebook Live. You've got the Tweet and Talks. You've got podcasts. You've got the website. You've got a publishing company. You've got your day job. I mean, you're just truly out there just whatever. Let's see what works, right? Where, where do you see yourself getting the biggest bang for your buck? And I don't mean buck in terms of like, what's the most profitable, but right, right. What's the biggest impact? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's funny because like it, it changes. It's, it's changed over time. I would say like at first when we started Voxer was like brand new. Sure. Um, you know, it wasn't, it might not have been a new platform, but educators were just starting to get on Voxer. And everybody was excited about Voxer, 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 Voxer. So from there, then we started a Voxer group. And I mean, that the conversations are still going to this day yeah. because it's become so much of people's routine. And, you know, we've built like these solid friendships over the years. So that, I mean, that still remains a huge, um, a huge part of it. We have a second room now as well because it maxes out at 500. Um, so it's, it's funny because there's like two different cultures to the Voxer rooms. Like there's the first room that kind of started uh, where everybody was excited about Voxer. And then there's a second room where people get really hyped when there's like events going on. Right. Um, but like, it's kind of quiet the rest of the time. Um, whereas Voxer room one, it's like every day, you know, there's combo to the point where if nobody says anything all day, then somebody's like, is my app broken? So, <laughs> you know, so, um, so Voxer was, was very, um, 
you know, very early on in our growth. And that was, that was kind of like uh, a big part of it. And uh, for a while we were doing guest blogging um, and that was, that was going pretty hot. But when we shifted to publishing, to book publishing, and, you know, we've been doing our edu snap, which is pretty much a compilation of people submitting a chapter about what they've learned um, yeah. during the year. Um, and we put that out for free every year. So um, that kind of took precedence over the blogging. And, um, you know, so we kind of get people's thoughts that way. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been like different ebbs and flows. And right now I would say that the, the Facebook part is very intriguing. You know, we just, uh, kind of shifted over to zoom webinars because, um, when YouTube live stopped being powered by Google hangouts on air, we can no longer do our panels, our video yeah. panels. So we started doing the webinars and, um, I put those on Facebook and that's, that's starting to gain momentum. So, I mean, we're just trying different things out, seeing what works for the times and always, always willing to be able to go back, you know, maybe there might be a point where we circle back to, um, you know, to wherever we, we began, um, if it becomes once again, a need for our community. So definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And I love the personal connection that you put into each of these two, because I, you keep saying, you know, we, and we've got, you've got thousands of people now that are all connected in, into this. But, you know, if you're part of the Voxer groups, if you're not, don't worry, Sarah will connect you in there. But um, you do this little welcome introduction for every per person that joins. And, like, you're part of the, the Facebook stuff. And you're part of the Tween Talks. Like, you are there. And I think that that says a lot, that it's not just a brand. It's, it's, tru it's truly, it's truly, it's truly, it's this. That's powerful. Thank you so Thank much. You so yes, much. I'm yes. sorry, my, I'm sorry uh, my uh computer glitched computer a little glitched bit right now. Oh, you're good. I can hear you just fine. Okay. 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 Now it's back. Okay. So I'm so sorry <laughs> about right. that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but absolutely. You know, I I love being like a fly on the wall to like all of the discussions and and great conversations. Like I feel like I learned so much by just even being in that space. You know, when people are having those conversations around me, like there's some topics on Sweet and Talk that I might not know hardly anything about, you know, and I'm just kind of there just to welcome people and to close it out and let the moderator do their thing. And, um, you know, those conversations, I really learn a lot, a lot from those. And now you've got this day job too. Does the day job and the, I, I, for lack of a better term, I'll just call it the side hustle, the passion, the passion project. Do those worlds ever get messy? Do they ever converge and get in the way of each other? That's a great question. And I am like a super cautious person by nature, almost to a fault. And I feel like, I feel like while there is overlap and where there is overlap, then I work the overlap whenever possible. Like for example, if there's something that, that can benefit both worlds, like, um, let me see, for example, the DigiSit Summit that we just did. Um, yeah. So that was, um, that was something that, that I've been passionate about for a while. You know, I've been connected with uh, Dr. Mary Alice Kern for a long time and, um, and have always, you know, loved being part of that event. And so in, in my district, then digital citizenship is also a huge focus. So this year, um, I was very excited because, you know, we were able to promote it like through our channels, through our podcast, through our newsletter, things like that. So, um, so I thought that that was great. Like, uh, that overlap, um, because I mean, really, it's all the passion about about learning and learning together. So, um, but when it comes to like things that are, um, 
I would say the business side, then I, I make sure not to, not to, not to let the two. Like business and pleasure. Mix. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Do, do you find yourself learning things in the day job that help inform the, the other? Cause I, I can definitely see how you can, how you grab things from other people around the world and can infuse that into what you're doing in the day job, you know, especially technology innovation. There are people out there that are constantly growing and pushing the envelope, but have you found yourself that the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis are able to help inform the, the bigger picture for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, that all, I would say all three of the, all three of the worlds, like work, um, the university life and EduMatch, like all three of them complement each other very well. And I'm always learning, um, different things from, from each that can help to support, um, my other roles. So, so yeah, so it, I feel like they're so closely intertwined. Um, so there's always some kind of opportunity to learn and apply new thinking um, and vice versa, versa, right? <laughs> for, for all the different, all the different uh, roles. It, you know, it, it, when we started off, I, I told you that you're killing this thing called life. And granted, I'm a thousand miles away from you, but I see it. I mean, I, it, and I, I don't have access to all your analytics and all of that stuff, but I see it because I see the influence you're having. I mean, I hear the conversations other people are having when they're engaged with you. What is your metric for success? How do you know when you're killing it? Oh, that is, oh man. Or will you know if you're going to be humble and act like you're not there yet? <laughs> what is the goal? I would say the goal, the ultimate goal in this I hope this doesn't sound like a cop out because I mean I mean it. Oh, like, I'll dig deeper if it is. Over yeah, it. <laughs> um, it's it's happiness. It's 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 happiness, and what happiness means to me is um, being able to do something that that helps someone else in in some way, shape, or form, while also um, constantly learning um, and feeding that that part of me because um, I always I always want to be a scholar of life. Um, so I want to be able to, to do that and do things that are, that are interesting. So I, I would say those, those three things, like, you know, as long as my basic needs are met, then, you know, being able to, to connect with people, you know, learn from people, grow with people, um, hopefully, hopefully being helpful and, um, and learning. Those are, those are things that, that I would define as my success. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a probing question and you can deflect if you need to. Were you not happy when you started your career? Absolutely. Absolutely not. I was not. Um, I came from alternative certification. Um, and I mean, I, when I graduated from high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so I thought about it for, uh, I thought about it for a while. I ended up going into television production because my brother, um, my brother worked in TV production. I always loved movies. You know, I always loved making videos and I learned TV and I wanted to like, you know, be a producer or maybe be a filmmaker, a radio TV film. Um, but I want to say my freshman year of college, it was either my freshman or sophomore year. My mom started teaching in middle school. And so I went down to her class. I would help her set up. I would come in, work with her kids. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is where I want to be. Um, so of course, by that time when I made up my mind and it was already kind of late in the game and I was already done with my credits. Um, but I re-enrolled for grad school. And as I was coming down the stairs one day, coincidentally, I saw a flyer on the wall looking for teachers for a nearby school district. So I was just like, okay, cool. So I applied, um, they accepted me into this alternative certification program. 
um, we had like a summer academy for prep. And um, I mean, it was a great program. I loved it. Um, when I got to the classroom, I had a lot of learning to do on the job. And mm. I know that I did, I was very anxious and eager and I jumped the gun um, and I went out looking for my own placement. And um, I should have waited because it wasn't the best fit for me. So my first few years were very, very rough. Um, and I almost didn't make it. I almost did not make it. Um, but I want to say like around year four, year four, I had a very good year, uh, amazing principal. Um, year five, um, I would say it was when I really came into my own. It was another school after that. So my first, my first five years, I was in four schools. So wow. yeah, yeah. But year five, year five, I really started to um, get my legs under me and, um, you know, kind of grew confidence wise. Um, yeah. my principal was amazing. She was like, um, I read a book a few years back, the multiplier effect, and she mm -hmm. saw what skills I had and she used those. Um, she trusted me. Um, she grew me as a leader, you know, um, and invited, you know, risk-taking and connections. And that's where I connected with my current team right now that I'm, that I'm with. And, um, you know, with their help, then I started seeing myself in a different way as well. So, um, and all of that, all of those experiences and all of that baggage, for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> kind of drives me to, to keep doing what I do now, you know, to, to, to try to make it easier for the ones that are, um, I was going to say the ones that, that are uh, coming after me, but also the ones that are ahead of me and to the side of me, you know, just, you know, like this is this is already a, a hard job. It's a very rewarding job, but it's it's um, there are definitely some moments that are not easy. And you know, us being there for one another, then that's I mean that's really what's what's helped me. Wow, that I mean, I thought I admired you before. That that was that was a powerful story. Oh, <laughs> I mean, thank you. That was that was so good. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about conversations I've had recently with other people talking about things like the teacher shortage across America and how so many teachers leave the profession within that three to five year gap where, where you were talking about how hard it was. Okay. And I think oftentimes we try to solve these problems that we've created ourselves with policy and, and procedure. So you talk about alternative certification uh, and thank God you had that, that avenue to get in the door. But I've been in places before that treat people with an alt cert as, as though they're it's a crapshoot. They're expendable. We'll bring them in for a trial run for a year or two. If it doesn't work, we'll just go get somebody else as opposed to leaning into people. I mean, the, the, a statement that you made that was so powerful to me was you talked about your principal you had in starting in year four who said she allowed you to start seeing yourself differently. That is so huge. You didn't see yourself as expendable or somebody that could, was going to be tossed to the side. She right. poured value into you and you started to believe it. Oh, that's yes. so good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm so just grateful for that, for that fourth year. That fourth year was when it was, when it really started to turn around. And then that fifth year was like go time. So yeah. 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 And now you got all the swagger in the world. I mean, that's oh. just, it's so good. <laughs> oh, smoking mirrors. <laughs> but whatever, whatever it is, it, it speaks to so much truth that the problem isn't necessarily going to be solved by just making it easier for people to get their certification. The problem is going to be solved by making the people in the profession feel valued so that they don't want to leave and that more people want to join in. So 
Right. Preach, preach, preach. That was awesome. (laughs) So good. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And and you're right. Like, um, you know, people, people really do, you know, want to feel that value. They want to feel like, um, like what they're doing, you know, it's, it's, it's doing something, you know? Um, and, and you, you nailed it when you said that people don't want to feel expendable, you know, and, and early on, I, I, that's, that's exactly how I felt. Mm. Wow. But now you're not. Now you're invaluable to so many. Um, but yet you're still out there pushing yourself. Can I, can I talk about why you, the, the PhD that you got? I mean, th- this is just a, a question I've got to ask. First of all, why would you pr- pursue a doctorate right now? And then the doctorate that you did pursue, just explain. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So the doctorate, that kind of ties into that story I just told. So when I started teaching, um, I was 22 years old when I, um, on day one of the job and, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, I, I, I kind of felt like either, you know, I was feeling like, like folks were, were, were thinking, Oh, you know, Oh, your kid, you know, how cute, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was either that reaction or it was, um, you know, the expendable type feeling. So I was just like, okay, I need to do something for job security. So that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to go in and do the doctorate. So I finished my master's um, three years later. And right after that, I wanted to just jump in. I was just like, okay, so, you know, it's over, it's done. Let's keep going, you know, let's not stop. (laughs) So I just kind of rolled right on through and it took forever. It took, um, (laughs) it, it took, 10 and a half years, did not take any breaks, just went straight through. Um, I took the scenic route, I should say. Uh, <laughs> okay. 10 and a half years and that's without taking breaks? Yeah, 10 and oh a half my years Lord. breaks. Yeah, because just, I mean, it's just random stuff kept on happening, you know? Like first, like I had a, a random car pop, like drive into my house and, you know, it was, I, I know that's <laughs> insanity, right? Um, so I got a concussion you know, all kind of like, it's just like, what could go wrong went wrong. Right. Um, but also I would say what, what kind of slowed me down towards the end was that, um, my family is Haitian. So my parents moved here in the sixties, they had my brother then you know, years after that, they had me. So, um, I went in and I was just like, okay, I want to work with Haitian kids. Like whatever I do, I want to work with Haitian kids. So I started in 2007. Yeah in spring 2007 and um no fall 2007 my mistake and um so I went in thinking that somehow you know my dissertation is going to be involving Haitian students so throughout this time you know as I was working in the classroom I was just like oh you know I started really getting a passion for ed tech and I was just like okay you know how can I make my you know international education program kind of reflect this ed tech so I um my topic became flipping like flip. Well, at first it was going to be the flip classroom, but then it morphed into student created videos. So I was looking for a Haitian student in an ESOL class that would create videos to um, kind of scaffold their learning to help them, you know, learn vocabulary and things of that nature. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the issue was that I, I could not find, um, I could not find these kids like, like my my population was like this big like the um you know I was looking for specifically kids in um underrepresented areas so where they might be the only Haitian student in the class or you know one of a few um and they were not like the dominant group in their ESOL class and so 
I, I went through so many different teachers that were saying, oh yeah, you know, this is a great idea, but with all this, um, you know, with, with everything that I have on my plate, trying to learn how to get my kids to integrate, you know, to have them create videos, that's too much. And so one by one, it was like dominoes. People would sign up and then drop out and sign up and then drop out. And then I hit a jackpot thanks to my PLN. I was in a Voxer group and I said um, what I was looking for. And someone said, I know exactly the person. And that's how it happened. That's how I found the one. And the, the teacher was already doing that. Um, so it just worked out perfectly. So I ended up going to a case study. Um, <laughs> it was going to be initially like at least two students, but, um, you know, I, I had to go with what I could go with because time was running out. So, um, why don't you just give up and shift focus? I didn't, I didn't want to, I'm stubborn, <laughs> you know, I really wanted it to, to, um, be with my, um, I wanted it to be with the, with the Haitian kid, you know, cause that's, you know, that, that's that's what I was when I grew up. I mean, I, I granted I, I was born and raised here, but um, I wanted to work with, you know, a kid from my, from my parents, um, from my parents' country. So, yeah. Have you ever given up on anything? Yeah, I have. I give up on stuff and usually when I give up on it, then I might go back to it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you take a pause. Yeah, I take a break. I take lots of breaks. So there, yeah, there's some, some loose ends I definitely need to tie up at some point. Yeah. So the fact, I mean, that, that you keep doing more and more and more, do you, do you feel like more and more weight on you all the time? Do you feel like you're just continuing to, to carry a bigger load or are you able to shed things that you can take a, take a new, a new route? Yeah, right now I think I'm in the process of shedding. So, you know, like, right. um, there's been a lot of shifts lately, um, you know, professionally, personally. So I'm just kind of trying to realign, readjust yeah. and get ready for the the next chapter of my life so just uh really excited about that that's awesome and 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 i i appreciate that about you too is that you're you're constantly reflecting you're constantly looking for what's next not just what's the next big thing so you can ride a, a wave but what's what's gonna be best for you what's gonna fill you and what's gonna bring value to others which is which is super cool and now i mean you even have a staff working for you don't you yeah, like a great, great team of, of folks. And I mean, I love the fact that, you know, the, oh my gosh, like I, I, I'm just, I'm just geeking out and I, I can't even, I can't even fully grasp what I have like right now, you know, like the people I get the opportunity to work with. Um, it's just, it's just so amazing. And I feel like I'm living the dream, just like being able to collaborate with, with all of these amazing folks. So, I mean, we have like different teams set up, um, we have, you know, the Edumatch publishing team. So we have several people with several roles who really, really, really have scaled um, the publishing beyond like my expectations. Like I would have never, yeah. never imagined. And it's, it's all, you know, because of their, their vision, their, their, their work. Um, we also have like, and you've had some, to be, I mean, you've had some great projects out there too. I oh mean, yes. <laughs> authors. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like eating them up. <laughs> yeah. I'm in it's, disbelief. <laughs> just, it's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. They, the, the authors, like I, I, I'm just really geeked about being able to collaborate with, um, with the amazing folks that, that, that we do work with. I mean, you know, yeah. their, their ideas are just, just remarkable. So it's, it's so That's great sweet. to be able to work with them. Yeah. So, so what's next? Hmm, what's next? So a couple things that we have um, coming down the pike. Um, the nonprofit 
part of EduMatch. We started up uh, back in 2017. Um, so we received a very generous um, donation from a foundation. So we have now um, mini grants. So our call for mini grants is currently open. Um, so we're looking for like projects from educators or from students just um, that will scale, you know, and um, just, just make that impact. Um, so that's one thing that we have going on right now. I can't wait to see like who ends up getting them, what they end up doing with them. Uh, that's just, that's just going to be really cool. And hopefully we can continue that as long as we can and continue to level that up. We're looking into doing also some, uh, some videos, some more videos. Um, shout out to Dr. Will with the Edupreneur. He kind of kicked it off for us. Yeah. And, uh, so we have a second documentary that we're working on right now and also his Edupreneur 2. Um, we have a lot of great books coming down the pike. So, um, so those are cool. And we also have, you know, a couple of aces up our sleeves. So, <laughs> so, so surprises. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll wait and see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is the goal to, to just continue to, to reach out and connect with as many different people or is the goal to have like a singular voice and connect people that are connected around a, a unified cause. Yeah, so we're kind of like um, magnetic octopus. You know, we have like <laughs> we that have awesome. Yeah, we have like all these different arms doing like you know different things. But the goal is to bring them all together so that everything just kind of you know feeds um, another part of it. You know, and yeah. we really want to connect with as we like one of our core values is about uh, representation. So, I mean, there's so many voices out there. There's so many stories out there, so many perspectives. And, you know, we want to hear all of them. We want everyone to have their their um, megaphone, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. So that's, that's, that's really what we believe in. Especially what I appreciate about you, and you say this explicitly on, on your website, I mean, everywhere, that you really want to try to give the voice to the people that haven't had a voice. You want to try to magnify those that have maybe historically felt like they couldn't speak out or have just somehow internally felt like they didn't have that, that voice. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, we, we can all learn so much from, from one another. So definitely just, just trying to help get those, uh, those perspectives out there that we don't always hear. That's awesome. So speaking of voice, I'm going to give you the opportunity here because there, there's a lot of people listening right now. A lot of people are, are signing in and downloading because they saw that Sarah's on. So they're, they're here and they're hanging on everywhere. They're driving the car. Maybe they're pulling over right now. If you are driving, pull over. Okay. If you're cleaning the house, stop running the vacuum. You got to listen to this. Okay. I'm going to give Sarah about 30 seconds. She might take 30 minutes. Who knows? But about 30 seconds. Just give us some truth. What do we all need to know? What's going to make us better? What's going to make education better? What's going to make the world better? This is your opportunity. I'm going to just sit back and listen to Sarah drop the mic. All right. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go in. All right. <laughs> so I feel that, um, that we all need to connect and we need to go beyond the surface connections because a lot of times we make those surface connections. Hey, how are you doing? You're an educator. I'm an educator. Cool. All right. Well, nice to meet you. Let's keep the convo going. All right, cool. And zoom and conversations over, but Really what I found is that the deeper connections are what really changes things for our, for us as educators and for our students. When we get to know someone beyond, you know, the surface and just really dig deep down, make those friendships, like legit friendships with one another, being open to do that with 
with people from all around the world, strangers, um, you know, and soon those strangers become friends and soon, you know, those friends become family and we can, you know, just like how we can fight with our family, we can be real with our family, same thing, same thing with, with our peers around the world. So that's, that's, and, and quite honestly, that can be a challenge and that can be very scary to be vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I know that, that, you know, I have many shortcomings and anytime I reveal any of them that I might be trying to hide, then, um, then it's always a scary, scary thing, but none of us have it all together. Nobody, you know, nobody is, is perfect. So just being honest, being authentic and being willing to open up and let those walls down and get, get other perspectives in you know, bring them in and uh, just embrace them. So I guess that's, that's my advice. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I, just for the record, I'm going back and I'm going to re replay that over and over and over again, because there's so much truth that just speaks to me. One of the, the best pieces of, of advice I ever heard was from somebody that told me the leader or the teacher that reveals their weaknesses is revealing nothing new. Because, you know, everybody already saw them. You were just trying to hide them. You know, the only person you were hiding it from was yourself. Everybody else already saw them. So as soon as you just put it out there, it, you have this freedom now. Now we can grow together. And the people that listen to you and lean into you finally start to embrace you. So yeah, I, love, I love that advice. I love that wisdom. Just keep connecting. Make it real. And this is from the woman with more than 50,000 Twitter followers. I mean, it's, it's more than a number to you, though, because you still reach out to the Voxer groups. And like I said, you're still making those connections. And you're still doing all of this with as many people as you can. And if you're not available for them, you're making connections that they can lean into somebody else. So you're, I'll, I'll say it again, you're killing this thing called life, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. I, I really appreciate you. And, and as are you, like I learned so much from you and I really appreciate, you know, the opportunity every time we get to talk and uh, every time I get to learn with you. So, so thank you. It's awesome. Thanks so much. I, I appreciate it. And I just hope that uh, you go out and have an amazing rest of your day. Well, thank you so much. You do the same. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidow? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmidow.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net.